Mike mentioned that we are in the last Sunday of a series called True North. And the idea of True North is that uh, there, is, there are these things in life that give us direction, that kind of point the way to something. And, and it's true for us as believers as well that there, is, uh, that there are these things uh, that kind of are, are our guardrails as we're living our life um, that help us stay kind of on track of what it means to follow Jesus well in our lives as a church, corporately, and then also as individuals. And we've, this is for, the fourth week of that. The first week, we just talked just about what do we do as a church that keeps us uh, in line with what God has called us to be. And these are fairly simple things. We didn't come up with them. It's actually something every church should center their time around uh, because it's what comes from God's word. And, and it's three things. We have three words that might, aren't even unique, I'm sure, as well. Uh, but the three things we do to make sure we're heading the right direction. We gather um, with God's people to celebrate Jesus. That's what you're doing right now. Um, and we do this regularly, and it is about making much of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing that we do is we want to get to know each other. We connect in relationships so that we can, one, just know somebody in the church and not live an isolated life, but so we can also grow in our faith together. Uh, we have connect groups that are starting this week, um, and you can sign up for those today if you want. That's our, our, our environment, if you will, to help you and your friends or your new friends grow deeper in a relationship together, and study God's word together. And then the third thing we do is we serve. So we gather for worship, we, we connect to grow our faith, and we serve to show others the love of Jesus. Uh, so that's anything that we do within these walls to meet each other's needs or in our community or even around the world. Um, so we talked about those three things. If we ever get off track, it's probably because we're ignoring one of those. Um, and for us to be all in as a church with Jesus, we need even individually to be engaged in each of those things. Um, two weeks ago, last week, and this week, now we're talking about three things that are up to you to do. They're things we should promote as a church, we should teach on, we should encourage, but they're not things that we can come up with a program to make happen in your life. Um, and two weeks ago, we talked about um, speaking to Jesus, right? We talked about prayer, what that looks like, its role in our lives. Last week, uh, we talked about speaking about Jesus, which is where we communicate with our friends, our family, our neighbors, people we come in contact and we tell, come in contact with and we tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. We need to be about that. And then the third thing that needs to be a, a constant, a present in our life as individual followers of Jesus is that we listen to Jesus. So we are speaking to him, we're speaking about him, and we're listening to him. And when we use that idea of listen to Jesus, um, the, the main thing that probably is going to come into your head is, is, you know, maybe spending time here in his word. And that is really what we're going to focus on, that the main way we hear from him is to read the words of God. He has revealed himself here. We have his full revelation here. But his Holy Spirit might guide you. Somebody might say something that's a word from him, and you take it that way. Or you may feel a nudging in your spirit as you pray. Those are all good things but what I want you to think today is we listen to Jesus as we spend time reading his words. Um, so that's where we're going to head. Let's pray together, and then uh, we'll jump into this. Father, thank you uh, for this time we have to gather to celebrate your son, Jesus. He has done amazing things in our life. Um, I know there's many people in here who have been set free from sin and addiction and strongholds, um, and, and they've been freed from chains of sin 
and bondage, Lord, we celebrate that. You do amazing things. There's people in here, maybe they wouldn't say, well, that's not necessarily me, but we've all, if we're following Jesus, we've been freed from the burden of death um, as Jesus paid that price for us. So we're, we're glad that we can be here to celebrate. Um, and Lord, because of who your son is and because of what he has done, we want to hear from him. So I pray that happens now as we look at your word together and then just in our lives individually and consistently in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, I've been married uh, for almost 22 years. My wife Bridget, I won't point her out, but she's over in this area somewhere. Um, we've been married for 22 years, and then we dated three and a half years, uh, pretty much all the way through college. We met the end of our freshman year at MTSU in Murfreesboro. You may have never heard of that school until Alabama destroyed them yesterday in football. Um, but that's the school we went to. That's, uh, we are alumni of Middle Tennessee. And uh, at some point in our dating relationship, things were starting to get more serious. We had transitioned from just chit-chat, you know, the fun talk, stuff like that, into more deep, serious type of conversations. We knew that we were going to get married at some point. We weren't yet engaged, but we knew that was going to be our future. And there was some point in that season of our relationship, um, we were in a conversation, and I don't remember what it was, which you're going to find out in just a second why, but, um, and most of it's got my guy. I just didn't, don't remember what we were talking about, but apparently I wasn't, I didn't really seem engaged in the conversation. And so Bridget stops and she says, Josh, I need you to listen with your face. Has anybody ever been told to listen with your face? Has anybody, has anybody heard that? Honey, look around the room. No one has a hand up. I thought, well, that's weird, but it spoke clearly. And I remember it, you know, 20-something years later. What, what Bridget needed is to know that I was in the conversation. More than likely, I was looking a different way because I listened with my ear, and that's where she was. But she wanted my face to turn towards her so that she could see that I was getting it, that I was involved in the conversation. And it's really, it's really been something good for me, and it's stuck in my understanding throughout our marriage. I don't do it all the time, but I know I should. Um, so we get towards the end of college, my last semester, somewhere in my last semester or two, and she recommended a class for me to take that she had taken called interpersonal communication. And I thought she was just throwing me an easy A, like this, this would be a great class to take in your last semester, you're going to pass it, easy A, all that. And so I get into the class, and at some point, the professor, the professor was lecturing, and they said the phrase, it's good to listen with your face. And at that moment, I thought, I've heard that before, and start putting things together. I, I might have been like a case study for when Bridget was in that class. Like she heard that and thought, I'm going to try that out and see what happens, see how he responds, see if he's obedient. And, um, and she has taught me well in that. I share that with you because we all understand that there's a way to hear a conversation, but then there's also a way to listen in a conversation. Like if you can hear noises, right now 100% of you are hearing noise from this stage, right? Some of you wish it would stop, you got about 25 minutes uh, and it will, but you, you are all hearing something some of us, hopefully a majority of us, are listening. And when you go to Webster's Dictionary, dictionary.com, um, and you put in the word hear, it says to hear is for your ear to recognize sounds, right? Your ear has recognized a noise. That's hearing. But listening is to hear, but with thoughtful 
attention and consideration. So the word hear and the word listen, we kind of think the same thing, but they're drastically different. When, when, when I have my ear to my wife, I'm hearing what she's saying. When I turn my face to her, I'm listening to what she's saying. I'm giving it thoughtful attention. Maybe there's something I need to do, something I need to change, a different way I need to act. So as we come in to talk about listening to God's word, most of us in here would say we listen to his word, maybe even regularly, like you're here every Sunday. But it's very possible you're just hearing his word being taught or spoken. You might even read it, but you're just kind of hearing the words. I think there's fewer people that actually listen to the word in a way that they're giving it that thoughtful attention, that consideration, where, where they're really asking, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? Um, I, I was looking at some stats this week. I, I wanted to get a good idea of how many churchgoers, is the way the study put it, we'll, ju we'll just say how many Christians, with that term, people that would identify themselves as Christians, how many of them spend regular time listening to Jesus? And it gave two different stats, just to kind of start out. One, it said that of just American adults, adults in the U.S., 39% of them read their Bible regularly. So this means like a couple times a month, I'm sorry, a couple times a year or more. That's just for general Americans. Like during the year, they're going to read it a couple times or more. 39% of Americans. But when it comes to Christians specifically, 36% of Christians, regular church attenders, read their Bible consistently, daily, but more than 40% only read their Bible once a week or less. So 40 to 50% is kind of where that is. Read their Bible once a week to not at all. These are people that attend church regularly. So in this room, if the statistic holds clear, about a third of you are regularly reading God's word, trying to listen to Jesus. Half of us, maybe once a week, to not at all. When we consider that, I, I think it might reveal to us why our culture is the way it is, why so many lives of believers are, are lived in defeat and conflict, why, why Christian homes are falling apart, why churches themselves are in disarray, not the bridge, but other churches are in disarray. If only a third of people who claim to follow Jesus are in his word consistently, what we see is an outcome of that, corporately and then also individually in our lives. And I'm gonna tell you why in just a second, but these stats make it clear that Christians struggle to listen to Jesus. We struggle to be in his word. You are not alone if you're thinking that's me, right? You're one of 66% of people that are not reading every day. All right, so you're not alone in that. This isn't a judgment time. This is a time just to encourage us in that, right? Um, so why do we struggle? Why do believers struggle to spend time in the word? I, I have two to three things that I think are the main reasons. One, we are busy people. We are busy, busy people. Even right now that I said that, you're like, oh, I am so busy this week. And you're thinking through, you've got to get kids here. You got this with your family. You got a meeting at this time. You got to get an oil change. Oh, the yard has to be mowed. Oh, I have that happening and I have that happening. Then my kids in travel ball and we got this and that. And you're looking at your schedule right now and you have completely stopped listening to what I'm saying, right? You're hearing it, but you're not listening. 
We are so, so busy in our life. And then there are probably people that would say, you know, it's not that I'm too busy. I just don't understand it. It's too hard to grasp the meaning of the word of God. Like I'll get in, I'll read something. I'll think that does, I don't even no, I can't do it. I'm just going to leave it to the professionals, which gets us to the third point or the third reason. Some of us think Sunday's enough. I show up on Sunday, the guy we pay to teach me the Bible teaches me the Bible and it gets me through the week and I'll come back next. And so we, we are struggling to listen to him and to listen to him consistently. But I, I think the, the real reason behind the excuses are one of two things, but they tie together. One is we just don't have the discipline we need to spend time in his word consistently, right? We think about going to the gym, right? That takes discipline to go. There are days you don't want to work out. There are days you don't want to go there, but you go because you know it's good for you. I mean, the dentist, the doctor, we do all kinds of things we don't want to do um, because we just don't have the discipline to go and get it done. I'm talking about myself. I haven't been to the dentist in a couple years. So we don't do the things we should do. We lack discipline, but we also lack desire. That's probably the biggie. Most of us in the room that don't read the Bible consistently would probably say, if you're honest, right? We're just sitting, me and you, no mics in the room, just me and you. And you say, I just don't really want to read it. Like a lot of times we just don't have the desire to read God's word. George Mueller once said, the less we read God's word, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. See, the the Bible is unique in the fact that we will begin to desire it once we're in it. And then once we're in it, we desire it more because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord through his word. So, so we, we lack desire, we lack discipline. Now, if, if maybe 50% of believers in churches aren't listening to Jesus consistently, and maybe it's one of those reasons they're not doing it, what, what does that really look like? What are they missing out on? What, what are you potentially missing out on because you're not here often and consistently trying to listen to Jesus. So I I want us to look at Psalm 119. I'm just going to pick a few verses. That's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 170 something verses. We're not going to read through it. Don't worry. But I've picked out a few verses that um, the psalmist describes what he's getting from God's word. And the whole chapter is just him celebrating the goodness of God's words. And he uses words like Uh, word, your word, God, your decrees, your judgments, your commands, your laws, all those things that we'd like, I don't want to read that stuff. That doesn't sound fun. Anything that God has given to his people, he's saying these things are a delight to me and they produce this kind of fruit in my life. So I want to look at three of those because these are things that somebody who is listening to God's word well is going to experience. So the opposite side of that is Those of us that aren't doing this consistently, these are some things we're missing out on in life. So Psalm 119, 105 is the first. It's a familiar passage. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So in that mindset, the guy who's writing this, no, no electricity, no flashlights. His phone didn't have a flashlight on it yet. So, you know, no way to really light up a room at night. They would carry a lantern with a flame, uh, an oil lamp, and it would put off enough light to maybe see a step or two in front. And that was kind of the symbolism he was using as he wrote this. Your word is like that lamp, God. It guides my feet. I know what I should do next. And so for him, when there were times of just uncertainty in life, 
what decision should I make? Where should I go? What should my next step be? He's turning to the words that God has spoken. He's like, your word gives me that direction. So when life is uncertain, if we're not in his word, there is no guidance for us, right? We miss out on the guidance that he experienced by listening to God's word. So you might be in a place right now, there's decisions that need to be made and you have no idea which way to go, what's gonna honor the Lord, what's best for life, and it may coincide with the fact that you're not consistently listening to Jesus. Because the psalmist says, your word lights my path. So that's one issue, we, we, we miss out on guidance. The next verses I wanna look at, Psalm 119, verse nine and 11, This is familiar maybe for you as well. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. And then verse 11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might, so that I may not sin against you. So he's no, he knows, all right, there's an attack against our purity, right? And I'm not just going to talk like sexual purity, just any type of impurity in our lives, whether it's that or it's just any other sin issue that we allow to take over that makes us unpure in our life. So he says, how does someone keep that path that they're walking pure? Well, by keeping the word of God. So we keep our path pure by listening to and keeping his word. I know that there are things in my life and just things in life in general that are my triggers to sin. Right? There are certain things I might see, I might, I might hear, places I might even go, people I might be around, and I know if those things happen, I'm really going to be tempted to do this, or to watch this, or to think this. So I understand where those things are, and they're throughout life for all of us. Some of us, it might be a dark room with a computer, others, it might be a, a, a line at Walmart and anywhere in between. We have these things that trigger us to live an an impure life before the Lord. So he says, if I want to keep it clean and pure, I keep his word. So when life is triggering to us, if we're not in the word, then there's no protection for that. His word, treasured in our heart, protects us from that temptation. And then the third thing that he mentions uh, is in verse 130. 130, and he says, the revelation or the teaching of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. So he's saying, listen, when my day is confusing, when my life is confusing, when I'm not sure what's going on, I know I can turn to God's word and it sheds light on the situation and it gives me understanding because I'm not, I haven't experienced this before. Many of you might be in that type of position right now. Maybe something's going on in life. Something has popped up. Something has happened. Maybe an illness, maybe a heartache, maybe a misunderstanding, whatever it is, something has happened. And you're asking the questions like, well, God, why? Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? What are you doing here? That's this time when life is confusing and the psalmist says, well, you know, when that happens to me, his word gives me understanding. It shines a light on the situation. Well, if we're not reading God's word, if we're not spending time listening to Jesus, when life is confusing, we don't have any understanding of it. We lack wisdom in those times. So we step back from that, we think, wow, okay. I, I check a lot of those boxes. 
Um, I, don't, I don't really have guidance. I, I know I'm struggling a lot with sin. I always do this or that. And man, I don't have a lot of wisdom or understanding in this situation. Listen, if you're not listening to Jesus, that's the natural result of life. I mean, no wonder, like I mentioned earlier, people, homes, churches, cultures are in the state they're in if 50% or so of us in this room aren't even taking time to listen to Jesus consistently. That's the outcome. That's two plus two equals four. It's going to happen if we're not listening to him. Now, his word doesn't only speak to us when things are confusing, when they're uncertain, when we're being tempted. It, it, it speaks to us in many other ways. In fact, if you'll just take, you know, maybe 30 minutes at some point, read through Psalm 119, you're going to see all these amazing things that God's word in the psalmist's life is producing. But I want to mention two other verses to you out of the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us this. Scripture Jesus' words are God-breathed. Now, you may have heard that before. What that simply means is they came from him, right? He either inspired it or he actually spoke it or Jesus spoke it um, and the authors heard it or inspired and they wrote it down and, and now we have it. We have his words right here. So this scripture are the words of God. And because of that, Paul goes on, he says, it will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Wow, we spend time in God's word and it's gonna empower me um, so that, that I can um, know uh, what to do. I can be instructed in life. And, and if I mess up, it can correct me and get me back on path. But it's going to help me follow a path of godliness and make me mature in my faith so that I'm perfectly prepared for any assignment God gives me. Yes, that's a promise in scripture. If we're spending time listening to Jesus, his word will develop maturity in our lives. So whatever God brings our way, whatever he decides we're going to walk through or face, we're prepared for it before it happens. See, what usually happens is we hit whatever it is, and then we're running to the word, God, what do I do? But this is saying as we're in it, it's preparing us for those things. And it, it might be something difficult, something tragic, or it might just be an assignment he gives. Hey, go talk to this person. Go serve in this way. Go use your gifts here. Whatever that might be, Time listening to Jesus matures us and prepares us for those things in life. So if we're not in his word, we're not prepared. And then Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And now for the not fun phrase, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How many of you want your innermost thoughts and desires exposed? No hands. Just like no one has ever heard, listen with your face. No one wants that to happen. We don't want that to happen. So, but God's word, when we are in it and listening to it, it's like God has like this finely sharpened scalpel. And he's cutting things away and he's exposing things. Then we get to the core of the issue. And right there we see our motivations, the things we really do want, where our mind really is, where our heart really is. That's what God's word does. And if we want to be 
followers of Jesus that honor him well and reflect his life, we need to let his word do surgery on us. We need to spend time in it so it exposes those things maybe we don't even know aren't good or are dishonoring. So, so it's empowering us, it's instructing us, it's alive, it's powerful. So maybe by the time we've gone through, it gives us guidance, gives us protection, it gives us understanding, um, it gives us correction, it matures us, and then it uh, helps us live well by convicting of sin. Maybe at that point you would say, okay, you got me. I need to spend more time listening to Jesus. Hopefully that's where some of us are at this point. So for those that are here that understand the need for his word, have a desire to to really listen to him and begin to experience these things in your life. I wanna give you three ways to listen well to Jesus, to listen with your face, if you will, to Jesus. And this first one, um, you're probably gonna wanna write it down, consider it later. It's deep, it's theological, it's one of those points that we might not understand, but it's this, open your Bible. Um, Let me say it again, just so you get it. Open your Bible. Listen, the first step and listening to Jesus is just opening it up. And maybe you do it on your phone. Fine, open the app. Whatever you need to do to just have it exposed before your eyes, that is the first step. It's an easy step. And, and if you say, but Josh, I already told you I'm too busy. I don't have the time to do this. If you're too busy to just open it, even for five minutes, you're too busy. Cut something out, right? You're too busy. And I thought about sharing a stat I read this week that says that the average American spends more than three hours a day on their phone. I didn't want to share that because I'm worried people might take that the wrong way or think I'm too judgmental. So I'm not going to share that stat. But whatever that amount is, I think there's time there maybe. And this is not, please hear me. This is not because I got this figured out. Just talk to my wife. Um, I spend plenty of time on the phone. But we need to find time to open his word. Even if it is just five minutes, start somewhere. Start somewhere, open it, begin to read it. You need to make margin in your life for this. Maybe you get up a few minutes early, maybe you go to bed a few minutes later, maybe you take five minutes on your lunch break. Maybe even as you're just commuting to work, you open up the Bible app, which will read the Bible to you. And you can still drive, get your busy schedule done and hear God's word. Okay, so open the Bible, make it a priority. Now here's the second thing. Once we've opened it, we're reading it, we're hearing it, we need to listen with expectation. Listen with expectation. And what I mean is this. We go into it and we begin reading a passage or a verse or a chapter or we're reading a devotional or whatever it is and and we need to have this understanding that it's going to speak to me. It, it's going to reveal something to me. It, it's going to lead me to some sort of action. Uh, and that's, here's where it goes from hearing to listening, right, as we talked about. We might hear it and then move away and not really consider what it has to say for us, and that doesn't accomplish anything. So when we're listening, we do so with expectation that it will speak to us because it's God-breathed. It empowers us, and it is alive and powerful, as Hebrews 4 says. It will speak. I had a pastor that I heard once say, read until it leads. 
Read until it leads. You might be in a passage that talks about what to do if your goat falls into a ditch. Well, I don't have a goat. Okay, keep reading. Keep reading until it leads. It may take a verse. It may take a chapter. But do that. And then the next thing I wanted to say is this. Open the Bible. Listen with the expectation that he's going to speak to you. And then respond with application. Respond by applying what it says. So if you open it and you read and you think, God, you're going to speak to me. I expect it. And I'm going through, oh, there it is. That's definitely for me. I need to work on that. I need to pray about that. I need to think on that. And you're like, oh, well, Game Boy time. Or not Game Boy. Those aren't even around. Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's the generation I'm from. Whatever. And, and you just then don't do anything with it. You've wasted your time. You've wasted your time. Take all the notes you want. If it doesn't get applied, you've wasted your time. James 1, through 26, such a clear teaching on this. He writes, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. I'm clear. God says, don't just listen to my word. Do what I'm saying. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. And here's a, an, an example of why. For if you listen to the word and don't, Obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, God's words, that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God's going to bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So he gives an example there. He's saying, let's say you're reading God's word and it says, control your tongue. And you don't control your tongue and you often just say whatever you normally say, talk in the manner you normally talk. He's saying that's like hearing and not doing and you are fooling yourself and whatever you think makes you a religious person, it's worthless. So you can come every Sunday, hear it taught, take notes, go home, Open your Bible every day. Listen with expectation. Never to apply it. You do all these things that you think, man, this is great. This is it. I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. Reading his word all the time like the pastor said. But if you're not doing what it's saying to do, that is just worthless stuff. Remove that from your schedule. And then open up time to then apply what you're reading. So it doesn't matter how much you read if you don't obey what you read. So the correct way the right way to listen to Jesus so that you can have things like guidance in your life, you can have help when temptation comes, you can have wisdom shown on the, the unclear circumstances in your life, um, you can be taught God's way, you can be corrected when you're off track, uh, you can even have those things that you're not aware of that might hurt God's heart, kind of brought out and revealed so that you can actually address them and live a healthier life spiritually and emotionally and mentally, all these ways. If, if you want to approach God's word so that that's the fruit that comes out in your life, open it, listen with expectation it's going to speak to you, and then just do it. Just do it. In fact, that's my encouragement for you today is Determine right now, I'm going to take at least five minutes. Maybe do it this afternoon or like clean start in the morning. Five minutes, read the word. What does it say to me? And then find one thing to respond to. One thing. It might just be a way to think differently or speak differently or have a, a change in motive or consider other people. In it. Whatever it is, five minutes, read it and do it. And I promise when you begin to taste 
and see that his word is good and beneficial, you will desire it and it will become a discipline in your life that leads to good fruit. Now, in, in closing, I wanted to share one more passage because it's easy, easy to maybe come out of a, uh, a sermon like this and think, oh, one more thing to add to my list to make God happy. All right, got to spend time in his word so I can do this or that. Uh, let me share one more passage. I don't want you walking out with that thought. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, that's Jesus. So we read here that, hey, I already have everything I need to make God pleased with me. It's already been given to me because I know Jesus. I already know him. I've already trusted who he is. I've already surrendered my life to him. So you're no longer saying, well, I just gotta read my word so God will stay happy. No, you, you, you read Jesus' words to first know Jesus. And then we continue to read his words so that we can live like Jesus and follow him well. Don't, don't mistake the first one for the second one. Right? Just because you're reading the Bible and even doing it doesn't make you right with Jesus. What makes you right with Jesus is knowing him and trusting him. And then we spend time in his word so that we can grow into his image. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the gift that it is to us, Lord. You, you could have just left us alone to figure life out on our own, God, but you gave us a book that shows us who you are, who you've made us to be, and how we can live for your glory. God, I pray for my friends here. Maybe they don't yet know Jesus. I pray they would speak to somebody about that today before they leave and, um, and get that taken care of. And then help all of us, God, to be more consistent, listening to your word, so that our lives can be a true representation of who Jesus is and that you might use our lives to draw others to you. In Jesus' name we pray.